0: GM, I'm Matthew Diemer, and this is GM from Decrypt.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
0: Good morning, everyone. Last episode of The Daily today. Tomorrow, we're going to have a long form On Saturday, when you can wake up, spend a little more time shuffling around the house, making breakfast, sipping coffee, so you can plug that in and listen to a great interview with a great guest. Today, our format's gonna be a little bit different because I have a chat with Matt Green about CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currencies, and I wanted to ask him one simple question Am I right that they are going to be the worst thing that happened to privacy, the Constitution, freedom, liberty? And we're gonna have to see what he says. But first, let's get into some headlines and then those crypto prices. And I'm actually kind of lucky today because there isn't much news. However, I do have some headlines. First headline today is that Logan Paul, we all know Logan Paul, and he had a NFT project called CryptoZoo. A lot of people aped into it. Well, it didn't come to fruition. And now he's involved with a class action lawsuit. People are suing him and he's accused of rugging everybody. Allegedly, Logan marketed CryptoZoo NFTs to purchasers claiming that they will receive benefits, rewards, and exclusive access to other cryptocurrency assets at a later date. But unbeknownst to customers, the game did not work, or it never existed. And allegedly, Logan Paul and his team manipulated the digital currency market for Zoo tokens to their advantage. He took to Twitter and he announced that he apologized, he's sorry, everything sucks, it was just a mistake, I'm sorry. And he announced a $1.3 million reward program for disappointed players, which I don't understand. I don't understand why he's trying to give away $1.3 million instead of just making the project. I think everybody would just be very happy if you made the project work, put it up there, airdrop people either new tokens and new eggs, and then stepped away and let the market take care of it. But instead, he's trying to make a rewards program for disappointed players instead of just making the game. Some of the best advice on tech I got from MKBHD. He said years ago in one of his videos, and I, this is probably pretty common knowledge, but for me, it was just like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He said, never buy tech for future improvements or future promises. And I didn't listen, and that's why I bought my Tesla at FSD. So I was sitting there with this full self-driving that was marketed to me and that the, it was going to drive by itself and be a robo-taxi in the future. Well, I've had the car for about two and a half years now, and it is barely driving itself. I also bought the performance model. And they said I was going to get track mode. It took me two years to get track mode. Anyway, still love the car, love Tesla. I'm a fan of Elon. But again, never buy tech for future promises or improvements. And it seems as though this is one of those cases. And then they made a lot of money, or at least some people in this team made a lot of money. And now they're in a class action lawsuit. Did you know that it's hard for crypto companies and projects to get listed on the Apple App Store? Well, that's not by accident, according to Apple's former App Store director. Philip Shoemaker, who originally crafted the Apple stories guidelines together with Steve Jobs, says that the guidelines have been rewritten since his departure. And they were rewritten in a way that he believes is intentionally vague. And these new guidelines were written in such a way so that Apple could take an arbitrary harsh stance against crypto and NFTs. The former director told The Crypt, Apple had a problem with crypto from day one. They thought it was a Ponzi scheme. He continued to say that he initially set out to make the Apple Store guidelines as straightforward as possible, saying the goal was always to make them more black and white over time, to make developers understand what they can and can't do. Well, nowadays, getting accepted on the Apple or Google app stores can make or break a company, and a rejection can cause severe setbacks for app developers. He said that he's had hundreds of death threats, and he had people follow him out to his car and people sneaking to Apple just to come talk to him. The former director also said that apps approved or disapproved on the Apple App Store could even hurt Apple's stock price. And he said that Steve Jobs once told him that he had the worst job at Apple because no matter what he did, someone hated him. Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, he also is on the record saying that Apple is very hostile to cryptocurrency. So I guess in the conclusion, it's not by chance that your favorite crypto companies are not in the App Store. But you're always wondering why. Well, this could be a reason. Now, Let's get into those crypto prices. And the time is 9.18 AM Eastern Standard Time. We have Bitcoin sin at $23,350. It's down 1.8% in 24. Ethereum is at $1,640, down 2% in 24. Tether's number three, Binance is number four at 331, up a percent, and USDC is number five, rounding off the top 10. We have XRP, BUSD, Cardano, DOGE, and Matic. Matic's down to 118, it's down 3.8% in 24. Total market cap, we're down 1.3%, it's sitting at 1.08 trillion. We have a BTC dominance of 41.9 and an F dominance of 18.7. And even though it seems as though we're down across the board today, we do have some highlights render token rndr render surged over 300 percent in the past 30 days obviously it's down from its all-time high of eight dollars and 78 cents it's currently sitting at about a buck 70 however just seven days ago it's sitting at 40 cents so if you don't know what render is i think i really do like rendering the concept so basically if you have a lot of gpus sitting at home and you're not using it maybe you're not a designer or you don't do any video editing and you don't need to render big files then you can donate your GPU computing power to the system, to the decentralized GPU rendering system. So artists and videographers and photographers can use your GPU to render big items. Basically you're saying, hey, my little laptop at home will take a day to do this, so let me just crowdsource this and get this done in a lot less time. And the render token is the way to facilitate the micropayments or the payments to the people that are offering up their GPU computing power. I think it's a really cool idea. Anyway, they're surging the past month. And if you haven't seen, Coinbase jumped around 26% yesterday. It's sitting at around $80, $81 right now. It jumped up to at least $85 yesterday, just a couple weeks ago, sitting at $35. So Coinbase is making some real gains. And a lot of the reason behind that is because there was a class action lawsuit against Coinbase for selling unregistered security tokens. All in all, the lawsuit claimed that there are 79 unregistered security tokens on Coinbase, and the customers were seeking refunds of the token purchases, refunds of the trading fees, and refunds of their losses. (laughs) Yeah, the judge struck that down with the quickness. And now, without further ado, I'm going to talk to Matt Green about CBDCs, our privacy, our constitution, our freedom, our liberty. What does he have to say? Enjoy. Matt Green, Associate Professor at John Hopkins Information Securities Institute. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been following you for a long time. Uh, Got a email that says, hey, you're looking to come on the show. And I was just like, we got to talk CBDCs. My my listeners have been listening to me a long time harp on CBDCs, saying that it's a potential biggest threat to our constitution and freedoms and privacy. And you know what? They're sick of hearing from me. I don't know your feelings on this. I don't know how you feel about CBDCs. What's your opinion on CBDCs? And we'll go from there.
1: I have a lot of feelings about CBDCs and about privacy and, you know, the different kinds of power that governments will have if they introduce these things.
0: I think that is potentially the biggest threat, like I said, to the Constitution, our privacy our freedom, freedom of speech. We see um, what happened with like the truckers in Canada and how they controlled bank accounts with just our traditional monetary systems. Um, We also see that there's a lot of there are a lot of benefits that could be had from that. We'll go into that a little bit, but I don't have trust that this is going to be rolled out. And this is what I usually tell my um, my listeners is that I think this is going to be ro- rolled out by not even the Fed, but by companies like MasterCard or Visa, by banks like Bank of America, um, Chase. And then you, we have this system that's going to be in place with this digital currency that all of a sudden becomes the digital dollar. We don't even call it a CBDC. And next you know, we have this programmable money floating around that Really, legislation or regulators or Congress or the president of the United States or anybody haven't even weighed in on to make any guardrails of how to protect our civil liberties. This is how I feel it's going to roll out. What do you think?
1: So I think the biggest story right now, I mean, it's, you know, I'm not the only person saying this. Maybe it's obvious, but I've been saying it for a couple of years. The biggest story in crypto is stable coins. Stable coins are kind of the camel's nose in the tent of how Crypto is going to go mainstream and how it's going to basically eat the the traditional financial system. And by eat, I mean it's not necessarily like crypto is going to take over. It might be that the traditional financial system just starts operating on crypto-backed rails, but it's going to be stable coins that is kind of the crack in the ice that lets that all happen. Because when you think about what a stable coin is, it's basically the traditional depository banking inst- institution, with you know the entire thing turned inside out, where now instead of having this notion of accounts, they just handle the basic task of holding onto money, and the blockchain does the you know all the rest of the work of who owns which piece of money, and now CBDCs, yeah, they may never come to exist, but the thing that stablecoins evolve into, that's going to be the CBDC.
0: I one hundred percent agree with that. Do you think that uh, companies like Circle? can be the new Fed. Do you think that they're positioning themselves to say, hey, Fed, you used to print dollars, but now I'm printing stable coins over here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that companies like that, they they certainly hope they are going to be, but I think they're going to be important. What's probably going to happen is, you know, the traditional banks, right? Like the Bank of New York Mellons and the, you know, JP Morgan's, um, they're going to be the ones who finally, after Circle kind of tests the ice, they're going to be the ones who go into it really big.
0: So do you think there's going to be a competition then of different kind of stable coins out there? They're all going to be interoperable with each other? Or do you think we're going to see silos and walled gardens of money?
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. That's a good question. So I wanna, I wanna hope that we live in a world where you know things are the way they are, where everything's permissionless and you can move money anywhere you want. I'm pretty pessimistic about that world existing, and I think the minute this stuff starts to take off, you're gonna see this this kind of idea that wait a second, no, we have to have permissions and guardrails, and we have to make sure that you know people are using this and it's only certain people.
0: So okay, so you do think that's a slippery slope that that could happen. Uh, but you said something a little bit ago that I have to just ask about really quick: is a camel's nose in a tent? What what? I think Never heard that expression before in my life. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's look, you, you got this huge camel, right? And it's going to come into your tent, but it's not going to do it, you know, tail first. It's going to stick its nose under the tent, and then it's going to keep going. And I think that's how you see the traditional financial system kind of testing the waters of going in and using blockchains. And like, obviously, there's technical issues that are going to make it hard to do that at really big scale for a while. But it's going to happen. And so here's my big question. So by the time traditional financial services and things that, you know, will evolve into CBDCs, by the time they get there, um, you know, are they going to be approaching blockchains that are private and permissionless? Or are we going to have built blockchains that are kind of more like Ethereum today where there's no really strong privacy and it's really easy for governments to do things like sanctions? I don't know what's going to happen.
0: So what are some potential, I guess, um, violations of of our freedoms, our privacy, our co- the constitution that you can see um, you know rolling out from all of this and then we'll go into maybe some of the positives what are so what are the negatives of a stablecoin future or a cbdc fu- future
1: well i mean okay so the, the first obvious thing is surveillance right so we already have a pretty developed financial surveillance apparatus in the traditional financial system i mean the bank secrecy act does you know mandate secrecy but it also mandates a whole bunch of things where banks basically have to share information with Governments in, in order to do, you know, uh compliance and, and law enforcement, anti-money laundering, and so on. Bank of America can't just publish all of your transactions to your neighbors. They have to have like a warrant. There has to be some legal basis to get that information. Today, the way blockchains are working, if we build CBDCs that look like blockchains, it's going to be a disaster because Chainalysis is a private company and all of these others, TRM, are private companies, they will sell that surveillance data. To anybody, You know, they'll sell it to companies as well as to the government. So there's just no privacy. And so in a world where we have, you know, the entire financial system operating on non-private public blockchains, the surveillance possibilities really suck. And I, I'm very nervous about that world.
0: Now, you said that the bank can't publish all your transactions, but we know that there's data brokers out there that they do buy and sell your data. So it's not like the bank is doing it, but they have found like loopholes and workarounds to say, "Hey, uh, this is this guy's spending habits. This is what he's subscribed to. This is the profile that we have of this individual." Are we not already there? And we, we're doing this in a more nefarious way than saying just the bank saying, "Hey, we're going to publish what this guy guy spends," because now we're doing it in an opaque way that allows them to target, manipulate and take that data, not only promise from your data, but use you against yourself for the most part. Are we, are we in that future? It's it's not a great
1: place that we're at, right? So MasterCard right now has a program with Google where they basically connect your online browsing activity to your real-world real MasterCard transactions. And that's nuts. Like like working in the world. The only good thing about this is most of the people using this are doing it to advertise to you rather than to spy on you and do malicious things to you. That's like the only good news, at least here in the West, other parts of the world, maybe that's not true. So when these, the danger of CBDCs is not just like CBDCs come to exist; it's that they come to exist in a way that makes our, you know, current bad privacy situation even worse. And I think that is likely right now.
0: Another obvious um, detriment to a CBDC is is the access that we have to our capital, the access we have to our cash. We know what we still are able to take some cash. <laughs> Albeit we might have to, you know, order it a week in advance, you know, from your bank, put it in your mattress and have those greenbacks in your mattress, under your pillow or whatever, and use those more and more places aren't even accepting cash, but you can still have relatively reuse those uh, in a flea market or wherever, what about, you know, just knocking people out of their money, out of their funds? You know, I mean, this is a, a real thing. And we did see it happen in, in Canada with, with the truckers. I mean, it was, you could debate if that was called for or not, but we can see that that is a, in my opinion, an overstep uh, to cut people out of their funds. Do you think that that's gonna be a possibility to just, and it will be more practiced by governments or by a local, even local governments or banks to just lock people out of their funds to get what they wanted out of you? I'm a big fan of the idea of cash right We used to have this you know
1: pretty straightforward way of of holding on to monetary value and it was this piece of paper and there was really nothing that governments could do to disable it right they could come to your house, but that's pretty much it. And so I do think that having something cash like you know we used to if you go back to the 80s, and 90s computer scientists and even like you know banks used to talk about electronic cash they wanted to build electronic cash and it was going to be private and it was going to be you know just all the features of cash. it's really a recent thing like in, since the 2000s, that, you know, we kind of ditch the idea of having something that is, you know, like cash, and we've gone to this other system. So yeah, I would like to get back you know i'm not talking about going back to like 1920 i'm talking about going back to like 1990 let's get back to those ideas the ability to control value is dependent on some centralized organization even stablecoins today have freeze lists where they can basically block any address and they can stop them from moving cash and I, ironically you know they don't use it very much because it's kind of expensive like usdc has only used theirs a few times tether has used theirs more um but you know this is something that stablecoins can do and if all your money is locked up in them there are a lot of reasons you could lose access to it
0: Okay, so I don't see any upside to a CBDC or a stablecoin future, um and all these companies weighing in or banks weighing in on digitizing money. You said that there are some positives. Can you please convince us of the positives? So I really believe the ability to pay
1: people and do it cheaply and easily is kind of important. And it's really actually in the us. at least pretty hard to pay people. And so you know the idea of these stable coins is that it might make that kind of thing easier. It'd be nice if like the twenty dollar bill I have in my pocket, you know i can pay it to you really easily but if i want to pay someone in another state it's kind of slightly annoying so and expensive there's like a 3% you know eventually things things add up so the benefit that i see for a lot of people is getting rid of all those those you know systems that make it hard to pay people is that worth potentially the privacy loss i don't know i just think that our technology is like 1970s era and should be upgraded and we should do that in a way that preserves all the privacy and the freedoms that we have
0: Still not convinced. One of the arguments that <laughs> one of the arguments that I, I do hear a lot is that when you're programming, when you have programmable money, if they see that there are holes in the economy, if they see that there are ways to inject capital into a certain sector of the economy that might be having a difficult time, you can program the money to be only used at restaurants, to only be used on trains and planes and automobiles and so on and so forth. Is that a positive or, again, is that manipulating with the free market? That's a little bit too egregious that probably is not going to work.
1: Money that expires if you don't spend it that's a big thing that people, yeah. Like, you get 30 bucks, you don't spend it, it's gone, or
0: you know, it has a high, um, you know, it declines in value, or something like that. I am still not convinced. It looks as though Bitcoin is the thing, but Bitcoin has a disadvantage, and the bi- disadvantage Bitcoin had is that it was it has a first mover disadvantage instead of a first mover advantage. Everybody saw that, hey, Bitcoin's this kind of works, and yeah. so we're going to try to do it, but we want to control it. And so basically CBDCs or or stable coins by these walled gardens like we're talking about seems as though just a mainstream Bitcoin to make people feel better about it that we're going to just put a slap a brand of the United States government or Chase or Bank of America on it. It, Is that what we're actually talking about? Uh a little bit
1: like some of the CBDC proposals that have come out of the Fed, you know, the tech proposals look like Bitcoin, but they're Bitcoin running on one big central server rather than Bitcoin on a peer-to-peer network you can't control. So that that's what I've seen. I don't know. I the thing I don't like about Bitcoin. I mean, there are a bunch of things that I don't like about Bitcoin, most of which is that like the network is a little conservative and upgrading some technology. Like that kind of bugs me. But the thing about Bitcoin that is and all cryptocurrencies, not even a Bitcoin thing. The thing that's kind of bad is obviously it's volatile, right? Like we want to be able to switch back and forth from the normal fiat currency world into Bitcoin or into cryptocurrency and back and do it really smoothly. And so far, the only way we've been able to do that is through these like crappy centralized exchanges that keep going down and there's all sorts of volatility. So in theory, stable coins and better technology for going back and forth to the fiat world would make this entire space a lot more usable.
0: Okay. So let me just get your conclusion to this conversation or any of the conversations you had for uh, CBDCs or stablecoins and this digital currency future. What do you predict? How do you want to see it to um, roll out? And what are some warnings or some advice you can give to anybody that might be listening to this right now about this potential future?
1: Okay. I think CBDCs as an actual government project in the US at least, and maybe in Europe, will not go anywhere. I think they will maybe be tried in Europe, they'll fail. Maybe China will do its own thing, and I don't have any idea. The US won't. Um, What is gonna happen is that over the next 10 years, Banks, you know, the traditional banking system, the financial system is going to start using blockchain rails to move actual fiat currency. It'll be something that looks like stable coins. It might not be open entirely to the public, but gradually it'll be open to more and more users. And in 20 years, the thing that we think of as the traditional financial system and the thing that we think of as public blockchains are going to be the same thing. It's going to be like the internet, right? You know, the internet in 1980 was just a bunch of people sending Usenet posts. And now banks use the internet all the time the underlying plumbing of the traditional fiat banking system is going to become blockchain-based.
0: Awesome. Matt Green, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, You do have a great day teaching your classes today. Um, And please, welcome to come on anytime to talk about CBDCs or anything else with Bitcoin Web3.
1: Good. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of GM. I'll be back on Monday for your daily news. Enjoy our long-form episode tomorrow. And until Monday, happy hodling, everyone.